Welcome to episode 91 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Kentucky Route Zero's second interlude, The Entertainment. You can find all things Left Behind Game Club on our website at leftbehindgame.club, on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub, and on Twitter at leftbehindgameclub. If you haven't listened to our other Kentucky Route Zero episodes, you may want to do those first. You can find those episodes wherever you're listening to this episode. Saddle up with a glass of Hard Times Whiskey, and let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. First friend, you know him, you love him. I call him the entertainment in my spare time. It's Michael Ruffalo. I'm excited to talk about a very interesting episode. And here to talk about a very interesting interlude in a very interesting game for the fourth time, Adam Iannetta. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Good to be back. Today, we are talking about the entertainment, which is the second interlude in Kentucky Route Zero. Now, if you're picking this episode up, the game is kind of nonlinear, so you can listen along, but you may want to go back to our first episode about Kentucky Route Zero to know what the heck is going on. Uh, That is episode 87. Uh, You can check that out in our podcast feed, wherever you got this from. Uh, So, gentlemen, this interlude is a little bit different than some of the other stuff we've played in in Kentucky Route Zero. Um... What were your initial thoughts when we started playing this one? I'll I'll start with you, Adam. Uh, Well, as I mentioned previously, I literally knew nothing about this game when we first started the project. Um, So I was very excited to be just pleasantly surprised, however I could be. But with this interlude specifically, you know, up until now, I had at least a hunch as far as how the game would at least play. It's very, uh, you know, it's the point-and-click adventure with dialogue-based text or text-based dialogue and uh that really didn't happen here i mean yes there was dialogue but rather than what we had seen previously um there was no actual control over the dialogue you were actually in the first person perspective of this character known as the barfly in sort of inside of a larger scene. Um, I, I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself, but um, I, I guess Cardboard Computer found out that we love plays, so they took one play and they put it <laughs> inside of another play uh, so that we could watch one play inside of another play. Uh, and that's basically what it is. It's The entertainment is the, the, the love child of Lem Doolittle, who is the playwright here, who takes two distinct uh, productions... Uh, the Reckoning and the Barfly, and then mashes them together to create this new production called The Entertainment. And you play the role of the Barfly, uh, who is, uh, I guess, a one-act play, or a one-man play inside of this larger scene, uh, the uh, the Reckoning, which takes place inside of a larger bar. Um, but I, what, what, what do you guys think, Michael? Adam, Adam, I just have to ask, in the last... Uh act i guess that we played or interlude that we played we had found um that there were actual real world artists that were being referenced and interpreted here is the playwright of this play a real person or is this a character in the game as far as i know i had i had looked it up i'd never heard the name before of lem Doolittle, and i looked it up and the only thing i could find was just references 
to the entertainment and to Kentucky Route Zero. And I mean, similar to what we had done previously in Act Two as well, I actually looked up: is there actually a drug called neuropropanol? Or because or, it's, <laughs> it's it's actually copyrighted. And I looked it up, and it just said, "Oh, uh, look here for Kentucky Route Zero references." But uh, as far as I know, and Lem Doolittle is not a real playwright. He might be. Um, I've never met him. But uh, but just as well, you can you can definitely pick up a sense of. Um, uh, of other playwrights within uh, this production um, themes and narratives based on works by, I mean, for instance, Samuel Beckett. Like, uh, I mean, I was reminded of my grade 12 drama project where we studied Waiting for Godot, where the dialogue is is so dense and so critical to the play itself. But upon first glance reading it, it is it is just nothing but word salads, just a steady stream of irrelevant nonsense that to me makes absolutely no sense but once you actually dig a bit deeper into the text and and the dialogue and the context you you start to figure out what's going on here okay well i it was one of those things that i can never quite be sure whether we were uh, you know referencing a, a real artist or an in-world character it sounds like the name of an in-world character you know as far as uh, as far as my ear picks it up but i came into this this interlude so incredibly excited because the last act we had played was very pensionesque as far as I, you know, evaluated it. And the entertainment um, seems to me like uh, it seemed from the get go, a really clear reference to infinite jest and David, um, David Foster Wallace. And, you know, it's one of my favorite books. And I was like, wow, we are really getting close to it. And, I think what I came to fa- find out over the course of playing this is that it isn't, you know, really a, a David Foster Wallace um, inspired reference as much as it does, you know, rely on some really interesting dialogue and, and idiosyncrasies. idiosyncrasies. But uh, nonetheless, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super interesting. So on this series, I'm our kind of resident dumb, dumb entertainment boy. Uh, so... <laughs> I, I would imagine that you guys think that, like, I kind of hated this, but let me tell you, this is easily the best thing that we've played in the Kentucky Route Zero kind of game so far. I love this so Hooray! much. I'm smiling yeah. ear to ear. I'm, I, I'm, like, not quite surprised because I think this is, like, an enjoyable little interlude to play, but I am so happy that you enjoyed it, Jacob. Yeah, I, I mean... You know, at first, I won't lie to you, I was like, why am I in control of the camera and my MacBook, my five-year-old MacBook that I'm playing this game on, I won't lie, uh, maybe had a little bit of trouble with the the, the touchpad and also kind of the, the graphically intense nature of moving around uh, a 3D space, but after getting over the what the heck is this, I immediately was very drawn into a story about debt a story about um americana and a story about uh a a race in america so uh no very easily the best thing we've played so far so uh, i'm excited for for a little bit more of your thoughts on it well the the really interesting thing about this this interlude contrasted with everything else we've played up until this point you really don't have the option to click and choose any options as far as, you know, how you progress the story in this interlude. It's very much, you're in the 
you're in the hot seat as the the barfly sitting here and all you're doing is making observations as far as everything else that's going on you are you are literally the fly on the wall just making observations as far as what else is going on within the larger scene of the reckoning so i think that gives us a, a good launching off point to discuss you know what is the actual gameplay of this of this little interlude and what is the context of it and we are playing the role of the barfly as we've mentioned previously in the center of the scene and you have control of a camera 360 degrees and in front of you is a beautiful bar bar top scene where harry the bartender is talking to do you remember Eve- the name of the evelyn the, the patron evelyn mm-hmm. the patron at the bar and evelyn's uh, initially talking about her husband who sells hammers and Harry, the bartender, is, you know, reassuring her that her husband being on the road is uh, is, is definitely not, uh, you know, cheating on her. He's definitely an honorable man who's well, well-liked. Um, and you, you see this discussion go back and forth. And as you begin to rotate the camera to see what else is there, you see an audience that's watching you. And you can look down at the table in front of you and shuffle the ash in your ashtray. And that's pretty much your your only interaction. And you really, from from the perspective of the character here, are about navigating the camera to the different people who are talking and following the conversation as it goes. I am not ashamed to admit that even now, I never looked down once at, <laughs> at my really? table. Uh, I was looking around at the audience. I was looking around at kind of people because it's a play, right? So there's people kind of standing off stage that you can see. And then there are also kind of text that's scrolling to show like, here's the script of what's about to happen. And I think there's also a screen that's saying like, that's, that's talking about the critical praise of the actual play being done by, uh, by the actual players who I wrote it down are in the Buffalo Street Student Theater. So, um, takes place in 1973. And a fun fact, uh, if you look at some of the credits um, for who was involved in this play, Lula Chamberlain was the set designer for the performance. She strikes again. <laughs> yeah, Lula Chamberlain strikes again. Jacob, you, you don't have to feel ashamed about not looking at the table because... I actually never once noticed the audience behind me until the very end of the interlude because wow. I was I was trying to figure out okay how am I I'm assuming this is the end of the play so what do I do now but um the the other really interesting thing if you guys noticed I think it was the jukebox off to the left of the bar you can you can click that and get these sound files and references to what I'm I'm going to assume are the the audio files used from the earlier uh, acts of the game because it references like oh uh, tractor driving in the distance or um, uh, strange traffic noises or things like that. But then it also goes on to describe the whole premise of the production as um, the idea that every character is treated equal or uh, treated equally and they have equal opportunities to to forward the plot and it also mentions the role of a dog who is also not there and so at that point i started to get the hunch okay is this play really just trying to personify what's going on in kentucky route zero because that that is very much 
what I've seen throughout the game thus far, you're not just playing as one single character. You're also taking on the role of, of Shannon or, or Lula or even uh, Ezra, the little boy. And of course, we now have this dog companion who is, I mean, for me, it's blue, but it could be Homer or it could be, I don't know who this mutt is. I've never seen him before. But uh, I, the, the entire time, I'm just trying to... to I, I feel as if by the end of this game, I'm going to be... Uh, in my in my room, surrounded by newspaper clippings and bits of string, just <laughs> trying to figure out what is going on. And you see, it, it all makes sense now. And <laughs> you're gonna have your Pepe Sylvia moment. A- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I I don't know if it's worthwhile to dissect all of the all of the little beats in the story because I feel like we'd be here quite a quite a long time. Um, but I think we should probably go over you know wh- what happens in in the play. Um, so I know we, we've started talking out a bit about how Harry is talking with Evelyn. Evelyn. Is that her name? I yeah. I think so. Um, so he's talking with Evelyn and, uh, comforts her. And initially I kind of got the sense that she was coming on to Harry, that she was kind of hoping that Harry would say like, you know, like things happen on the road or things happen when people are away. And uh, and that being the case, but I think as it moves on, you come to find out she's really just, you know, insecure uh, and afraid that her husband's going to be unfaithful. Uh, I think it's maybe a little bit more than that. Um, you know, there there is some really clever writing again around like the wife thinking that he's not only selling hammers on the road, that he may be hammering something else. Um, but <laughs> I love that line. It was a great. It was, was great it line. was chef's kiss, real good. Um, but I think that um, she also just wants to drink for free, like as simple as that is. Like she's run up a huge bar tab, and she's just trying to drink for free. So I think it's it's more than just her trying to fill maybe a void that her husband has left there. It's also she's trying to get cheap drinks. Yeah, I, I guess I could see that too. Um, it. it uh, it's definitely interesting because slowly, as the story progresses, we find out that more and more people are in debt. And debt is, I think uh, it's Pearl, uh, who enters the scene about halfway through, who says something along the lines of, you know, debt is suffocating. It's like the air all around us. It, it's it's like a fog that suffocates everyone. Um, because Pearl talks about being a person who works in a pawn shop that deals with uh, short-term credit and how everyone always spends more than what they have. Yeah. Um, so it's you end up finding that um, uh, Evelyn has debt and her husband has taken on more work to save their hardware store. And that's where the hammering or selling hammers comes in. And then Pearl comes along and she says, well, you know, I know I owe you a big bar tab, Harry, but I'm going to need you to put a pause on that. Um and then the the it all comes full circle when Pearl's family comes in and you know they want to celebrate a momentous achievement of the of the women in the Slade family getting promotions and wanting to add it to their tab um and Harry tries to slow walk them all yeah and i think the the one thing that i just want to add on to that is that you know this there's a lot of writing in there around race and around kind of the American dream, if you will, too. Um, I think that one of the kind of big pieces that stuck with me is that uh, Pearl was is a person of color. And what she had said is that, like, I work in the pawn shop and, uh, you know, 
I'm being employed um, to make what I'm doing more palatable for those that are getting secured loans and payday advances. I think the exact line I wrote it down was um, was black coffee in desperation. It's kind of the um, the feeling in in the pawn shop around what she's doing. That line just really stuck with me. Um, and the big thing with the Slade women is that, you know, the husband whose name is Lawrence, he's like, yeah, everyone's going to get promoted. Like Rosa, you're going to get promoted. It's going to be fine. Even though it's literally just your management material. Yeah. Your management material, even though it's literally (laughs) just like he said, maybe one day that I would be ready for management, but not today. Uh, but even that little like glimmer of hope was enough to, to have these folks in in um in small town america just just cheer out and drink way too much there's a there's a line that i i I think it's harry says at one point um that there is no money in lending but there is money in usury and then he he goes on to say i'm pretty sure that's from the bible and i i just thought what and (laughs) but it's there's and as we've already discussed, not just in this episode, but in, in other chapters previously, there is such a heavy theme about debt and owing others things that you don't have the ability to repay them with. And even at one point, Larry goes on to talk about how there's a new kind of debt that um, I guess the, the suppliers of this bar, the are they the hard time boys? Because they, they provide hard time whiskey, which is apparently yeah. the only alcohol that they're able to serve in this bar. But um, he, he goes on to talk about this new kind of debt, and he never really explains it, at least not well enough for me to, to understand what he's talking about. Um, but there's, there's definitely a very dark... Um, uh, false sense of comfort in this bar but as are most speakeasies and saloons of this kind i'm sure yeah i i feel like um with, without jumping ahead too much we find out in the very end what the the hard time um situation is and and very early on um you know as jacob said everyone just wants to drink everyone wants to 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 get to get there um and i think one of the really cool things about this is throughout the the play or throughout the interlude we see the dialogue become more drunken more i don't want to say open and honest but definitely more frank and and cutting um and harry who would be one of their favorites they start calling him out because he talks about how he went on vacation um and saw a hostess and he was thinking about getting a hostess here because he enjoyed having a hostess there. And he slips up and he says that he was in New Orleans by the beach or maybe it was a pool. And they just stick on the fact that he can't remember whether it was a pool or whether it was a beach and that it was both and that he was in the Everglades near a swamp. And <laughs> it was one thing after another. Um, and this it's it's kind of surreal along the way, because if you ever look down, which it it sounds like you didn't, or if you look over to the other <laughs> tables, there are these really weird bread uh, brick sandwiches where it's a slice of bread, a brick in between, like a, a red brick that you would, you know, brick a wall with, and then a piece of bread on top. And it just stood, it stuck out. And I, I couldn't put any context to it. I couldn't figure out what it meant. Um, but it was very surreal. Like Kentucky Route Zero happens to be. Let me, let me try and like interpret what the the sandwich is because they mention rain's law a lot did you guys mention did you guys hear them talk about rain's law 
No, I didn't. So, what is yeah, it? Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah, so throughout the... Uh, once or twice they just mentioned Rain's Law, which is just like a... Um, it's a New York law that was put in in like the 1800s, which essentially is a liquor tax, but also ensures that you have to serve a meal if you serve if you serve drinks on a Sunday. So my interpretation was like, oh, because of Rain's Law, because they have to serve food, like he's maybe just serving like the worst thing. Um, but in 1902, I'm, I'm now I'm reading the Wikipedia page. Um, it was written that um, saloon keepers mocked the law by setting brick sandwiches out, which is two pieces of bread with a brick in between, which legally fulfills the requirement of serving That's food. That's so good. So very good. Um, one thing I just wanted to pick up on very quickly was um, you mentioned, one of you guys mentioned hard times um, and how they maybe used a special process or used a special wood in the making of their whiskey. Immediately I went to, okay, maybe we're now talking about psychoactive drugs because I don't know if some plants or some oh. woods like have psychoactive drugs or are psychoactive or have properties of psychoactive drugs. So my immediate thought was like, oh, they're talking about drugs again. But like, that's always my Kentucky Route Zero theory is drugs. <laughs> drugs tend to make Kentucky Route Zero make a whole lot more uh -huh. sense. Um, <laughs> but I think the hard times liquor falls into the debt especially well because it's been alluded to so far multiple times the hard times boys and how they are way more ominous than than it just sounds um and in this case like obviously everyone here is falling on hard times and the only thing left that they can drink when nothing when no one else will supply this bar is hard time whiskey um and you know uh harold that's the bartender's name right uh, yeah, I think so. Her I, I think they call him Harry. Harry. His name is Harold. Yeah. So when when Harry uh, says like you know there there's a new type of debt, I think he's referring to the fact that um, hard time the hard time liquor or the hard time whiskey is the only thing he can get. And at the very end, he says, "I sold your debt. I sold your tabs to the hard time boys, um, and they're going to be coming to collect." And it just has this really sharp underlying like point that things are going to get real bad and that these guys are probably really used yeah. to it um, because this you know it's kind of built into the name these guys are ready for hard times um the repo men are here exactly to <laughs> um i i don't know if i want to jump to kind of the, the last frame but um when the hard times kind of reveal happens uh, it scared the pants off me. Really? Oh. Uh, you are among friends there. <laughs> Do you want to... Well, okay, so why? Unpack okay, it Okay, so uh, we're going through the scene. So imagine that this play is, you know, maybe th four or five acts long where, uh, you know, new characters come in and they're talking about uh, Harry's trip and... Um, Pearl and Rose and Lawrence are talking about the promotion at the grocery store, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know... The reveal happens that Harry traded everyone's debts away because it seems like work is tough, money is tough, people want to drink, but so everyone has a tab to pay at the bar. And Harry's like, I'm sorry, I, I'm i the one that sold your tab away 
all that the hard time boys want is your debt. They feed on it. They put it in the whiskey is the exact line that's kind of shared. And you turn around because there's this like really low hum that happens. You turn around and there's this Mm -hmm. like glowing man full bodied that's yellow and green. And he just is standing there and the the hum gets very loud. And I like tore off my headphones because it got so loud and it scared the pants off me. I totally forgot. The how? And I didn't put two and two together. How? (laughs) <laughs> I, I was I was deeply unsettled by it, but the, I was enjoying so much of that um, of the play, I guess. So much of the dialogue and the relationships and unpacking everything that they were talking about, the religious references and the allusions to you know what type of Christian you are. Um, I was enjoying so much of that that I completely did not put two and two together that that was the Hard Time Boys, or that was one of the Hard Time Boys. When they come in and have that experience at the end, um, I I just was thinking more about the stuff that I enjoyed and not the stuff that scarred me. <laughs> <laughs> Push the negative thoughts out. I I actually didn't realize that this character is supposed to represent the hard times boy or hard times boy or whatever it is because I I wrote down in my notes what the hell is up with this usher because he's he's just he's standing there in the in the middle of the aisleway into the audience and he's got this this clipboard and i just kind of thought okay i i guess the show's over but and he's it's like you said jacob this neon trans uh phosphorescent skeleton like creature just like emanating electricity and and not to mention hardcore confusion at least for me so i it was definitely that moment at the very end where i i thought to myself okay i i think i know where things are going and like every other scene we've played throughout this game that last bit at the very end just says you have no idea what you're playing and (laughs) yeah uh if anyone has played super hot I think that that's like a very good analog for what this character looks like. Just take out like the red and orange and replace it with yellow and green. And that's what you get. Um, I think that this is, this is, like I said, easily the best thing that I've played so far in, in Kentucky Route Zero because the writing is on point. There are tons of themes that like, depending on how you play, you can interpret differently. I mean, I I fit and, and kind of stuck with debt and the American dream. And Mike started to like go into and unpack the religious aspects because at one point, you know, I think Pearl keeps saying like, I'm just a good Christian woman. Or is it is it Evelyn that keeps saying that? Either way, like there's tons that you can take out of this. And the writing is so sharp. I, I mean, even the small things like Evelyn was at the bar and she's like, uh, I want to be free of being a parasite. And then literally ask for a drink five seconds later so uh just just fantastic <laughs> yep. like i would if you're curious about kentucky route zero i would actually download this first and thematically see if this is something that you'd be into before you dive into the game because you can play everything out of order and if you jive with this you'll probably jive with the rest of the game this episode or this interlude reminded me so much of 30 oh my god yes jacob i don't know if you feel that as well yes especially especially that scene on the rooftop of 30 flights of loving where you're kind of at the wedding and the bottles are piling up as people are drinking more and the you know the the view tends to wobble and get a little blurry um it's reminded me so much of that experience but just way more polished and way more 
you know, literary, I guess, because in 30 flights of loving, there's, there's no real dialogue. Um, I, I, I thought this was such, such a great episode. Um, and I love the, the just mounting tension that builds throughout. If, uh, if people are interested in playing this, um, the one thing that's really cool about, uh, this interlude compared to the rest of the game is that, uh, this is actually, uh, it has the option to be played, uh, with a VR headset because you are playing from the point of view of the barfly on stage. And actually what cardboard company had done at uh, numerous other game expos and actually art exhibitions is that they actually provided sort of a, uh, an interactive art installation with a VR headset where you could sit down at this bar table with an actual plated brick <laughs> sandwich and then just mount this Amazing. VR headset and just, you know, let, let, let the ride take you away. <laughs> I I also thought this was so visually beautiful. Like mm-hmm. the the different I think you could I think it was basically like time of day light yeah. that was coming through the window behind Harry and Evelyn and Pearl at the bar. Um going from being, you know, yellowish to being orangish red to then being, you know, like a blue in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. Um, yeah, just visually and, so great. And there the was like, even theater. it looked like truck light that was passing like through. And I, th- I thought I remember hearing trucks, but that, that could have just been my imagination. Uh, if you don't like playing video games and somehow you landed on this podcast and somehow you got all the way through it, uh, just know that you can buy the screenplay of this thing too. So many different ways to enjoy, um, uh, interlude two of Kentucky Route Zero, gentlemen. Any more thoughts before we close it off? You know, I'd I'd just add uh, one of the other things that stuck with me, and I was kind of humming it to myself after I had played it. Was that that love song uh, when uh, Evelyn's at the bar and All right. uh, she's like, "I just I just want to hear a love song." And there's there's that song that plays in the background, and I thought it was it was just so perfect. It fit the scene so well. Um, even though I don't think you can hear any lyrics in particular, it just it has that atmosphere, um, and I, I feel like this interlude more than anything just drips in the atmosphere. It if uh, if hard time uh, liquor or hard time whiskey is suffocating in debt, they put the debt in it. Um, this interlude is just dripping with uh, atmosphere and and just vibe. Um, so hugely, hugely enjoyed it. As I said before, I was left completely dumbfounded uh, by, by the events that took place in this scene. But I'm not saying that was a bad thing at all. I was, I was delighted throughout the entire. I will call it a performance because that's what it was. Um, I, I was delighted from beginning to end, just taking pity on these these characters and just seeing how the story progresses and then at the same time in the back of my mind trying to figure out okay well what's the point how does this all fit into the bigger picture of Kentucky Route Zero and I mean I don't have an answer to that but I will say that I am just extremely excited to see how the rest of this pans out yeah I can't wait to see the different threads that that's taken from this interlude into the next act 
um, as as I'm sure we saw with the last one into the act that followed it. Agreed. And you can find our future episodes wherever you downloaded this one uh, or at leftbehindgame.club. Uh, you can find all things about our podcast on social media at leftbehindclub on Twitter and on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub. If you want to talk about the entertainment, which is easily, like we said, the best thing, or at least I said, uh, the best thing that we've played so far, you can do so in our Discord. Uh, you can find the link to that on our website. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, you can find me at Jacob McCord on all major social media platforms on Twitter's where I do most of my ranting. Uh, if you want to watch a cool YouTube video, I've got those at youtube.com slash Jacob McCourt. Uh, really all things Jacob McCourt all the time uh, with that tag. Adam, thanks again for, for making your fourth appearance on the podcast. Uh, it was lovely having you. Uh, great time talking about the, the entertainment. Uh, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they do so? Uh, the best place for people to find me is at my website, adamayanetta.ca. It's my professional profile for my work as a singer, uh, but I'm equally passionate about uh, video games as I am singing, and just as well equally passionate about talking about great games with great people like yourself. So uh, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you guys today. And Michael... Well, I'm going to blush through Adam's compliment and say you can find me <laughs> most social places online at Ruffalo M um, or uh, MichaelRuffalo.com um, and in the Discord server. So feel free to hop in and, and chat through. We've got some awesome discussions and great deals that are being shared. Uh, Michael, to close this interlude, what do we say to him? And that, my friends, is one less very interesting interlude left behind.